The sponsor for the Shepherd's Crook podcast for the month of May is my friends over at Banner of Truth Trust. The Banner of Truth Trust is a Christian organization which publishes books, organizes conferences, and publishes a monthly magazine. Their objective is the promotion, advancement, and dissemination of better knowledge and understanding of the history and the doctrines of the true biblical Christian faith. They seek to inform, encourage, strengthen, and equip ordinary Christians and have a particular concern for ministers and pastors and those training for the ministry. While the banner is most well known for the promotion of the best Christian literature from the past and the present, men in the ministry should know about their minister's conference, one held in Pennsylvania at the end of May and the other near L.A. in the middle of October. The banner hosts simple conferences focused on the preaching of the word, prayer, fellowship, and of course, heavenly discounted Banner of Truth Trust books. Learn more about their books and conferences at thebanneroftruth.org. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to episode 42 of the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. Today I'm going to continue the series on complementarianism with part two, and this is going to be on the glory of man. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we need your direction to talk about such things. We need your leading to help us navigate, to be biblically faithful and not scared, to not cower away at the truth, but also to be precise. And so help me to do that. Help me to not be cowardly as I talk about these things, but also help me to be precise that people who are listening would be equipped to be able to talk about such things to their congregations, to their families, and just the little boys and girls that they see that there is something to being a man and to being a woman. And so just uh, I just ask that you lead, and I trust that you're going to. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, the city of Corinth. Okay, the whole, the whole thing in this series is I'm wanting to equip you pastors to be able to talk about complementarianism in a biblical way. You know, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus doesn't give us the option of being ashamed at his words. If we're ashamed at his words, he's going to be ashamed of us before his heavenly father, and we don't want that at all. So we don't have the liberty of being embarrassed by certain parts of the Bible. And the Bible, interestingly enough, is called sexist by non-Christians, but it's actually life-giving when it comes to its view of gender. And what really is sexist is the egalitarian view that seeks to strip away the dignity of manhood and womanhood from human beings, and they just want to make this cesspool of just general humanity. And where I think that's on display almost the most in the Bible is actually in the city of Corinth. In the city of Corinth, there was a lost masculinity, and I think it's very common with our view of the world today where there was a sense of a lost masculinity. You know, Corinth was an urban center in Greece. It was a large city, and you know, you guys know this. There's a temple of Aphrodite there, and there was three other places of worship or two other places of worship and a thousand cult prostitutes. And the worship of the day in the city of Corinth was very sexual. And throughout the book of 1 Corinthians, we see these problems that are existing. In 1 Corinthians 5, we see that a man is sleeping with his father's wife, and the church is celebrating it. So there's some sexual confusion there and some holiness confusion. In 1 Corinthians 6, we find out that there were former homosexuals in the church who are now living obediently. There are also people who are, we find in chapter 6 and 7, we find that there are people who are still dabbling with this prostitution and sleeping with prostitutes. 
Paul actually has to teach the church in Corinth what sex looks like in the context of marriage between a husband and a wife because they don't know what sex looks like, appropriate sex looks like. So Paul's teaching them about this. And pastors, as you're thinking through kind of the modern narrative of sexuality and the sexual ethic of the day, think about the city of Corinth and what's happening there. Because again, I think there are their connections there like crazy. I think chapter 11 in particular is a treasure trove for us when we think about how to address these issues. In chapter 11 of Corinthians, we see that men were wearing their hair like women and women were wearing their hair like men. They were not embracing their gender externally. And they were saying, hey, why does it matter if I look like a man? Or why does it matter if I look like a woman? Sound like today? Well, yeah. In chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, we see that there were women taking control of worship services. And they were just through constant questions. Uh, that's what the, it's all really the Corinthian ladies knew. But then in chapter 16, Paul actually has to tell the men in Corinth to act like men. Now, why does he act, have to tell them to act like men, be strong? Well, because they didn't know how to. That's why. Now, that problem existed not just in Corinth. It exists all the way into our world, 21st century today. Men who do not know how to act like men. Now, we've got to be able to identify these things culturally, what's going on in our churches, in our region, in our states, in our world, um, in our country, and Corinth looks so much like the United States today. Now, if we come back with an answer and say, well, we're complementarian, but we actually functionally look like we're egalitarian, that is not a good answer. To blur the lines of gender for the sake of public opinion will not help us at all. So we have to use some common sense here. And in chapter 11, I love it because in a culture of experts, those who have common sense aren't well respected very much, and the experts actually end up saying very, very foolish things. But in, in chapters 14 and 15, in chapter 11, I think we have some really, really important guidelines of how to think about these things. And it's just really a call, call to common sense. First Corinthians chapter 11, verses 14 and 15, what we find is that the Apostle Paul is calling people to natural law. He's calling people to the natural order of things. And here's what he says. Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it's for his disgrace? It's disgrace for him. But if a woman has long hair, it is for her glory, for her hair is given to her for her covering, which by the way is the key to unlocking that chapter, uh, for her hair is given to her for her covering. Her hair is her covering. But when we think about this, Paul is appealing to just natural law, common sense. Hey, it's common sense. Men, you aren't to be wearing your hair like women, and women, you are not to be wearing your hair like men. Now, you can wear your hair in a masculine and feminine way. What Paul is just simply saying is externalize your gender. Embrace it. Don't reject it. It's rejecting the way God has made you to reject your gender externally. Nature just teaches us this. It's common sense. My goodness, in a culture of expert, again, don't devalue common sense. Just wake up and See, there's a reality to gender. And Paul tells them, in keeping with common sense, hey, act like men. And they were to know what that means. There should be this externalization of our gender. And they were called to act like men. And men, the question hovers in, in our churches, what is God calling us to in this world? Well, if we go back to Genesis and we look at special revelation, we've seen in general revelation that we're called to use common sense in the discussion of gender, that men are to be protectors and providers, and it's just a common sense reality that we should know, and it really shouldn't even be argued. 
But when we go back to Genesis, we see these two words in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. We see work and keep. That men were created and their glory is found and seen in working and keeping. Okay, so men are built for work. And men, pastors, if you are, and sometimes pastors can get this, and sabbaticals aren't necessarily a bad thing. And we talked about that with Dr. Askell last week, where time away, regular time away can be really helpful and life-giving. But men, you are called to work. And pastors, you already have people in your congregations who don't think you work. And you don't need to live up to their expectations or anything like that. That's what I'm saying. But you are called to work because if anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for the members of his household, he's denied the faith and he's worse than an unbeliever. Now, we can just say this. Being a stay-at-home dad, and I know there are exceptions, but exceptions don't make the rules. And again, we live in a culture of exceptions also. We look to find every single exception we can to accept ourselves out of clear biblical teaching. But being a stay-at-home dad, it really is sin. It's not okay to not work, men. And yes, working at home is real work that our wives do, but we are called to do provisional work, to provide. And so if you're not doing that, if you're not going outside of the home and working outside of them, you're built for that. You're physically stronger. You're built to handle stress more. You can just look at working men and working women and see stress levels and just, again, use your common sense and see that men are built to handle stress in a a better way than women are built. He gave us big shoulders, broad shoulders for a reason. We're called to use them and put our hands to the plow. And sometimes for seasons, there are things that happen. But to make decisions for the long haul, for the wife to go out and work, for the husband to stay at home, it really is shameful. And then secondly, we're called to keep. Keep. Okay, what is keep? Well, maintain. We're called to maintain. We're called to observe, to watch, to guard and protect. And it... It because we were built to be protectors, family and women, uh, women and children are built to be protected, and we are built to be protectors. They need to be guarded, and they're very, very valuable, and we are called to protect that which is valuable. We're called to keep them. So what does keeping look like? Well, uh, a man is built to be and should have interest in keeping watch over creation and to keep it ordered and safe. He is charged with this, commissioned with this. So men are to be guardians of the planet we're to be we're built for this to be watching made for it and to protect wherever we're at to fight for the protection of the vulnerable and to take care and keep to cultivate wherever we're at and god made adam to do this specifically now eve was also given the creation mandate adam and eve were built and made and given the creation mandate but eve was built to be a helper of adam and adam was built to work and to keep and wherever men we go we have a responsibility to protect and provide if the intruder comes in we step up now again let's apply common sense here we know this gray's anatomy a few years ago they showed a uh, we'll do some pop culture references here and i used to watch gray's anatomy like one or two seasons of it and there was a season where Dr. There was an episode where Dr. Christina Yang, she was just radically liberal in the show. But there was a show, there was a scene where a boy and a girl came in, and what ended up happening is the girl got shot. And what the the, the boy did is the the young man took the girl and he shielded himself with the girl. And this liberal doctor looks at this boy and says, "What kind of man are you? What kind of man are you?" When common sense is applied in our world, we all know that the man should jump in front of the woman. And this is common sense. This is absolute common sense. And when we see it on TV, 
we recognize it, or we see it in our world, we recognize it. The man should be protecting the woman from the intruder, the family from the intruder. And I said it last week, that principle, if somebody breaks in the home, it's the man's responsibility to get up out of bed and to go check and see what's going on and protect and provide for his family. Now, that applies in our world, and it applies in the churches. And for instance, a woman should not be up for the draft to be going into the military. We have men in our country who can fight for our country. We are built for this, and ladies are not built for this. Common sense. That's where Paul appeals. Common sense. And that's where we should appeal. Men should be fighting to protect. Okay. So then Genesis 3.16. So work and keep, but we're also built to rule. And this is a good kind of rule. Now, the curse that was on the woman was not that men would rule, but that men would rule badly. And we are called to reject that. Hear me say that, man. We, are, we know this. As you're teaching complementarianism to your, the Bible, to your people, we need to teach that to oppress women in any way is wrong. And we need oppression according to the biblical standard, not, not the feminist standard. We need the biblical standard of what oppression is. We are not called to harm a woman ever. We are called to rule as Christ-like, humble servants. The answer for toxic masculinity that people talk about all the time is the real deal. It's not toxic matriarchy or, or toxic feminism. The answer is real masculinity. And here's the deal. We know it when we see it. One more pop reference. Jack Pearson from This Is Us. Okay, when we see Jack Pearson on This Is Us, every woman wants to be with him and every man wants to be him. That show is a show about a good man. And when you watch it, if you see it, and now there's, they put some LGBTQ stuff in there and it's not great at all, clearly, but that dad, that husband, that father on that show, you want to be a man. If you watch that show and he's got his demons, he's got his alcoholism, but you want to be that man, to be like that man. Because when people see a good man who's providing, protecting for his family, they respect it. Even in our world today, Jack Pearson Guys, if you haven't seen it, go watch some of This Is Us first season, and then just, by the grace of God, look at that man and say, my goodness, I want to be a guy like that. Now, when things don't happen, when men don't act like men, things go badly. Uh, you look at just statistics on fatherhood.gov, and you can see by the federal government statistics about what happens when man leaves the home, when there's not a father present. Children suffer and women suffer. And so men, the answer is to look to Jesus. The gospel of Jesus is not, hey, be a godly man. The gospel of Jesus is Jesus is a godly man for you. And he lived as the perfect human in our place. And so we get to turn to him, to look at him, and by the grace of God, become Christ-like servants to the women and the children around us. Be the men that God has called us to be by working hard, by keeping that which is around us, and by living to rule in a Christ-like way. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.